The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. Who's back in the game? Shane Ray. And look at what he just did. Slam. Touchdown, Missouri. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is Kim Anderson's MMA instructor, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Not joining us today is, of course, Brian Goers, who uh, couldn't be with us because he's caught a mean case of hookworm. Mmm, nasty. Yeah, it is nasty, and somehow Brian, once again, found a way to uh, get a really difficult disease that a lot of people don't seem to get anymore. Yeah, well, he has taken a lover. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, in his bare feet somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you didn't ask for it, so we're bringing it to you. Yep. We're going to talk basketball today. Well, actually, um, that's not exactly true. We get a lot of tweets and emails going, are you guys going to do basketball? Are you ever going to do basketball? And, you know, it would be easier to be inspired to do basketball if we weren't so fucking abysmal at it. No. Mm. <sighs> I guess Missouri technically has a basketball program. Yeah, it's hard to imagine at this point, but we do. Yeah. So Missouri now, uh, as we're recording this, it's Saturday night. Missouri played the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens and, uh, to no one's surprise, lost the game. 71 to 66, and it's the first game, first road game in SEC play, second SEC game. Uh, of course, we lost to LSU, which a lot of people thought would be the most winnable game on the SEC schedule. Yeah. And uh, to no one's uh, surprise, really, uh, they lost that one as well. Come off of a loss to Lipscomb, which is apparently Lipsicum. Tim Lincecum, the pitcher for the Giants. They <laughs> lost to Jim, Tim Lincecum. Jim yeah. Lincecum? Tim. No. Uh, well, Jim's his father. Maybe they lost to him. It, they lose to whoever they went up against, <laughs> let's be honest. It was their third really, really embarrassing non-conference loss uh, following North Carolina Central and Eastern Illinois. And after the Lipscomb game, of course, there's been a lot of talk about whether Kim Anderson would survive mm-hmm. season three. And after the, the third non-con game, that Lipscomb game, the talk basically switched to if he would survive to when he would get fired. Yeah, I mean, to me, this season, before the season started, it was a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he would have had to do some pretty amazing things in my mind to sur- survive the last two seasons of 10 wins or less. Of course. I, don't, I mean, the good news for Litscomb is, you know, uh, they put a little feather in their cap. They were the first USA conference. Is that what they're in? I'm not sure. I don't uh, know. I didn't even know they existed. Backwater, their first backwater conference team to beat a Division One basketball team coached by a reanimated Frankenstein monster. <laughs> so <laughs> they... Uh, they have that yeah. going for him. Yeah. So, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you know, the chances were slim he was going to survive, but he had a whole season in front of him. And then, of course, there was the 
the big the biggest game in Kim Anderson's tenure at Missouri where we almost beat Xavier, Xavier yeah, in two that's, overtimes. That's the, uh, that's the thing everybody held on to earlier mm-hmm. on in the season. Did you know we almost beat Xavier? Yeah, we almost beat them. The thing that was telling to me in that game was that uh, even though it went into two overtimes, we still only managed, I think, 81 points. Mm-hmm. And uh, that should be telling is what kind of state the offense would be in is it would take two overtimes to get 80 points. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the offense has been absolutely fucking dreadful. They can't hit the wide side Everything's of the dreadful. Everything's dreadful. And if it wasn't, I mean, at this point, I don't think, I've, I've said from the beginning, I think fucking Kim Anderson's out over his skis. You know, he's just not ready for this level of coaching at the Division One level. I, you know, we, I watched him play the Arizona, and Arizona uh, sort of filling it up from the three-point line. And mm-hmm. so Kim Anderson inexplicably goes for a zone a defense the entire game. And he gets out of it in the last five minutes. But by that time, it's too late. You know I mean? They're filling up from the three-point land, so you know, let's man up so we don't give them open jumpers. Nope, we're going to go to a zone for the entire game and, and just let them work the ball around the key until they find an open guy for a three-pointer. And it's just like, what is going on right now? I mean, like, I just... It's not even that you know we're devoid of talent. The the, the decisions he makes in game are crazy. You know, what was his name? Got hot against uh, LSU, and so he pulls him out of the game. Barnett, yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? The the thing about it is, I mean, it is clearly one of the lowest points in the history of Mizzou's basketball program mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, it, you have to go back to prior to the Norm Stewart era to find a time where... 1951. Yeah, where we had a three-win three win season. Mm-hmm. Yep. And of course, there were a lot fewer games at that time, but, you know... Mm-hmm. <sighs> they didn't let black people play. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, I don't know. That's probably not true, but... You no, know, no, it's true. I don't think we had a first black player until 1956. So, so that's well, literally the case. Yeah. It, it's... Uh, it's Abysmal, and even the Kim Anderson supporters are defecting left and right now. Sure, why wouldn't I they? mean, it's really just the old, old, old timers now who are still making excuses and blaming every loss on Frank Haith. And don't get me wrong, I hate Frank Haith. Yeah, Frank Haith is the worst. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's year three. Kim Anderson's shown he can't recruit, he can't retain talent. No, that's one of the biggest things. You know, to take aside the inexplicable coaching decisions, mm-hmm. just uh, throw in the fact that. Kids seem to leave our program by the dozens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody sticks around. We are a team full of freshmen and sophomores. And then they try to spin that into a positive, say, oh, we have the least experienced team in Division One basketball. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. And it ain't good. And we cannot – we can't shoot. We can't play nope. defense. Nope, nope. We, uh, we can only play – when we play a decent game, we only play for a half. Uh, both the LSU game and the Georgia game, we led at the half and then went to shitting the bed in the second half of the game. It's just a complete state of disarray. And the talk is basically now, you know, when is Kim Anderson going to get canned? Yeah. I, at this point, the game plan seems to let put Vandersex in the game and let him shoot three-pointers and miss them for the entire game. Well, Vandersex led the team in, in minutes for a long time, even mm-hmm. though he brought nothing to the floor. <laughs> and the LSU game, uh, Vandersex played for one minute. Yeah, his, team, his, his time got stolen away. <laughs> so Anderson's been playing with the starting lineup and how he's bringing mm. guys in and out. And it's at this point, he's just, he's just throwing stuff on the yeah, wall I mean, to see I, if anything sticks. How are we going to survive without that 25% from the three-point line that Vandersex is shooting? Yeah, <laughs> I know. You do you watch the, the shooting percentages, and you think 
at some point, nobody can shoot this bad because these kids... Not forever. You these kids, think. they may not have been top recruits, but you know that they were the best player in their team in high school, and the you know the rim's still 10 feet off the ground. The wood, you know, yeah. the court's still yeah. made of wood. Like, there's not that much different. Like, how can they be this bad at shooting? Yeah, I... Um, at the beginning of the season, I had a few friends who were still Kim Anderson holdovers. They were mm-hmm. still hanging on, but I think the Eastern Illinois game was the one that just broke everyone's back when yeah. it came to uh, Kim Anderson. Yeah, if it wasn't North Carolina Central, it had to be Eastern <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which terrible, terrible loss was the time that you lost confidence? I, I hated the hire when it was made. I've mentioned on the show before, um, mm-hmm. yes, you know, yeah. the minute they hired him, I was like, this is a terrible hire. Now, don't get me wrong. I wanted Kim Anderson to succeed because, mm-hmm. like Barry Odom, if you got a guy who's a true son and they do well, they're your best chance to have a long-term coach at Missouri and not use this as a stepping stone. But I just I didn't see it at all. And I wonder, really wonder, if Alden would have hired Kim Anderson if he was knew he was going to be the athletic director for the next 10 years yeah, or it was just like one of those things like, this guy wants a chance. I don't really believe in him, but fuck it, I'm on my way out. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and not just the uh, the the bad losses, but uh, after the Lipscomb loss, before the LSU loss, uh, Willie Jackson, the Cleveland kid uh, that came along with Frankie Hughes, he uh, transferred out out mm-hmm. of nowhere. You know, so another player goes away. Yeah, for family health concerns, though, I can't imagine that the team being hot, 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 hot garbage helped. Hot, hot garbage. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it turns out the health concern was his dad had a nasty hangnail, <laughs> and uh, he, he got to get back. Yeah. Got to get back home. Yeah, he got to be with the family. So, I mean, what we have to eventually now turn our attention to is no longer Kim Anderson because the guy's gone, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it, we don't know when, but he's going to be gone. And so now we have to look at our new athletic director, Jim Sterk, who's going to make the biggest first big decision as athletic director here at Mizzou on when he cans him and who he replaces him with. And we did put up an article on the Mazodcast.com blog this week, which got a lot of traction about uh, Jim Sterk's history as an athletic director and how he really hasn't had a lot of experience firing guys. He's played for small, or not played for, but he's been athletic director at a lot of smaller schools, Portland State, um, San Diego State, and then uh, turn it for 10 years at Washington State out in Pullman. And a lot of his hires have worked out. uh, But when you're at a small school, if you make a good hire, those guys tend to get hired away. So you don't fire them. I don't know who will be available. Probably nobody, you know, with a ton of cachet. But I'm ready for Missouri to spend a little money. You know, I liked the uh, Odom hire. Mm -hmm. um, But he was obviously an inexpensive uh, coach on on the grand scale of things. But I think we're one of the lowest paid teams in the SEC in both football and basketball. But between Anderson, Hayes, now Kim Anderson, I want them to go out and spend some fucking money. And I don't want to hear that talk that, oh, we're a smaller-ish school or we don't have the big bucks like, you know, Oregon with their backing of Nike. No, fuck that. We're in the SEC now. They get like $40 million dumped in the athletic department just for the fucking contracts between the television and, and joining the SEC. There's plenty of money to spend on a basketball coach. So, you know, I don't. I know you're not going to go steal Calipari or something, but open the goddamn checkbook and get a fucking coach who's 
some sort of proven commodity, uh, not the Division Two champion of the world. You know, yeah. well, you have to think that 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 they're looking to do that because of the history. I would think they would have because been of the looking state. to do that for the past fucking two decades, Brendan, but they haven't. No, but we got a new guy in charge, and just the state of the program almost requires it at this point. And you know, I think you can just you the. The writing is so much on the wall. You can tell from certain. I mean, obviously the fans like us on the message boards and Twitter, they've been calling for his head for a long time now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's been very clear when you read the sports writers for Mizzou, and you can see how you know beat writers always have to kiss a little ass. Yeah, that's part of the job. Cane polishing is, you, is required. You want access, and so you you can't be too negative but you can see that there's the leash is sort of gone with Kim yeah. Anderson with the sports writers because the, he's he's going to they know he's going to be gone and so there's no reason to you don't have to worry about risking yeah, you don't have to polish his cane anymore they just they just they've been the sports writers have basically been saying what we all want them to say all the time mm-hmm. but they're not you know, they have to protect their access as it were right and so they're always a little bit um maybe more positive or slow to uh, to to say what the fans probably already know a lot of times. But, yeah, they've taken a turn for the negative um, because they realize that this guy is not somebody they're going to have to worry about appeasing for the next however many seasons. And, frankly, if they don't talk about negativity, they're not doing their job because there's nothing but negativity right now with the program. I think one of the, the most public calls for the Anderson's head came from the Columbia Tribune this week, got a lot of traction. Joe Waljasper, friend of the show, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a piece about how – not just that Missouri should get rid of Anderson, but they should get rid of him now midseason. Yep. And, uh, it, I mean, his interesting rationale, because he, he like a lot of people said, who said he l- really likes Anderson as a person, he's, he, I'll just quote it here. He said, he, uh, Wal Jesper writes, there's probably no strategic benefit in firing Anderson midseason. The next coach won't be hired until after the season, and a coaching search takes weeks, not months. But I think relieving Anderson of his duties now would be the most humane decision Sturt could make. Why put a good man through this misery for 18 more games if the outcome is already yeah, obvious? It's like a mangy old dog at the pound. Just yeah. put him down. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know he's not going to win many, if any, games, frankly. And and so why make him go through the motions? Yeah, at this point, as a fan, I mean, honestly, Brennan, if you had to pick, will they win another game? You know, if it's a 50-50 bet, would you bet the win? I mean, there's... Well, now seventeen chances mm-hmm. for them to get that win. It's a it's a one in seventeen ratio here. Will they win another game? Would we, you put money on it? Money would be tough because you'd think just by playing the odds that they're going to sneak out yeah. a win. Because just because like look at the score of the Georgia game, they lost seventy one sixty six on the road. It was a close game. The LSU game, you know, close game. You'd think that one of these. You know, somebody else would have a bad game. The Tigers can mm-hmm. capitalize, but they have not capitalized on any no. games. And if you ask me, I think they have maybe one more possible win on schedule, and that's against Auburn, who's also hot, 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 fucking garbage. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot, garbage. But other than that, I don't know that they can. And right now, they're sitting on five wins. You know, I think what at Anderson had nine wins his first year, ten wins last year, and you're looking at no better than either of those records this season. Certainly not. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I think, you know, you could put money down on them losing out and feel fairly confident in making some making some cash. Yeah. You know, the, the one game, probably the best win of the Kim Anderson era maybe, like his first year LSU had one player who was mm-hmm. like NBA worthy. He was, he was the LSU team. And they were uh, – LSU was not – obviously a perennial basketball power kind of had some high hopes in the sec because of this one player. And I don't remember his name and uh, you can scream it out your, your iPhone all you want. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hear you, but um, 
Well, you'd butcher it anyway. <laughs> if you didn't know it. <laughs> but but uh, uh, they inexplicably won that game, mm-hmm. and um, that was like I think the best one I can remember uh, Kim Anderson having. I don't beat think, LSU. I think I I think I don't think that Kim Anderson has an SEC road win. No, that was at home. I know that. Yeah, no, but I'm saying I don't think he has one on the road. We, I mean, we are Kansas in basketball as as to their football program. I mean, we are we are there. I mean, it's as bad as it's as bad as I can ever remember, and I can remember some pretty thin years with the basketball team. But this is as bad as it's. It's I can't say ever been. It's it's the worst it's been in fifty years plus. It's almost. I mean, it may be as bad as it possibly really could be. I I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Quinn Snyder era, the end of the Quinn Snyder Mm -hmm. era, where you know the fans were pretty demoralized at that time. Things were bad, but they were not this bad. No, and this is part of the Kim and or Kim Anderson. Part of the Quinn Snyder problem too was you know. It was pretty obvious he was a Cokefield maniac at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, half his players were, you know, had been arrested at least once. Mm-hmm. It was Ricky Clemens. Yeah, it was just, it looked bad, but they were never this bad at actually playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the coach was, loved cocaine yeah. and the players loved to steal stuff. Yeah. But um, oh, I remember that they they were a lifeless team. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember going to games and being super frustrated and thinking, I've never seen a team that tried so little you know and then but that was well the, things have changed and now the, I, I, this team doesn't look like they don't necessarily try they just don't look talented the um the one thing the biggest gripe i had against kim anderson from the very beginning after that first season is something that i didn't well, i saw with mike anderson like mike anderson came into not what it was a, was not a great situation mm-hmm. but i tell you what when you saw a mike anderson team play you didn't worry that they were giving you effort right you know, they're playing the 40 minutes of hell defense and they were diving on the floor and they were busting their ass and they didn't have a great deal of talent, but they were busting their ass. And from the, the, the time that Kim Anderson got to Mizzou, I never saw our kids really bust their ass. You know, mm-hmm. defense and rebounding, these sorts of things don't take gobs of talent. Right. They take guts and, and want to, and basically motivation from a coach. And I have never looked at a Mizzou game since he's taken over and thought, man, these guys are given everything. They're scrappy they're on fucking, the floor. Yeah, they're just all over the place, you know. Kim Anderson just inspires nothing out of these players. And the well, you most see pathetic him thing up. they mic'd him up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shoot the ball in the hoop. Yeah. Put ball in hole. Fire bad. <laughs> um, all those things. Yeah, yeah, and you just look at their schedule and just think, I don't know, I don't, I don't see a win. I don't know. Nope. And and you know these other SEC teams, we go into the SEC originally, and my first thought was the SEC is not a basketball conference. Nope. And we're going to come here and kick a little ass. You know, <laughs> I think that was a lot of Mizzou fans. Yeah. Like, we're kind of a basketball school. Yeah. And we go to the SEC, we may have some fun. We know more Kansas to kick us around. You uh-huh. know, you know, there's a Kentucky over there, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do some damage here. Yeah, I mean, you know, then the, the, uh, these other SEC programs hire guys like Bruce Pearl. These the big names that that uh, they're going to try to make a stab at having decent programs. But we hire Kimmy Anderson, and you know, like you said about the the effort, I think a lot of the folks who were in Anderson's camp were kind of the old school, slow white guy basketball <laughs> types of guy. Yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like they're, they're our dad. They're, yeah, our dad. <laughs> they're not necessarily get frustrated by the really athletic teams that are undisciplined. Yeah. They but they're like had the idea that you know we're going to shoot 87% from the free throw line, we're mm-hmm. going to maybe not burn up the floor, but we're fundamental gonna, defense. Yeah, we're block gonna out bl- rebound. Block out and and shoot outside well and we don't do any of that. No, mm-hmm. Like nothing no. that you thought maybe he would bring to the table has 
materialized in any way. Yeah, I think the lily white basketball, I think, was what the old guard was hoping for. Some yeah. real good old fashioned Washington general style efficiency. <laughs> you know, that's worked out for them. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and, and you know, some people basically said, you know, you hire a D2 coach, you get D2 performance and yeah maybe there's truth to that you know i i mean he had success at that level and people thought well if you can coach you can coach i thought that like if you can coach you can coach but i don't i feel like i've been proven wrong he can't recruit and that may be where it starts and stops well, I just anymore think about, in this I mean, modern era of college basketball i think part of what makes a good coach especially at these levels is personality i mm-hmm. mean being able to motivate, being able to sit down in somebody's living room and recruit, being able, you know what I mean? It's like being able to sell a program, you've got to be a salesman. And if there's one thing Kim Anderson isn't, he's not a salesman. Mm-hmm. He's not, he has no personality. I mean, you think, I would like, I want to go sit down and have a beer with John Calipari. Mm-hmm. I bet that'd be a good time. Yeah. Bring Patino along after he's done banging a waitress in the bathroom, he come out and tell a few stories, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I don't want to have a beer with Kim Anderson <laughs> at all, you know? No, I mean, well, you, you talk about how he's just droll. It sounds like Frankenstein monster. The second thing he has in common with the Frankenstein monster is he does have the <laughs> he does have the villagers out with their torches and pitchforks yeah, sure chasing him down, and the bolt in his neck. Yeah, but uh, you know, just we've both had the opportunity to spend a little time around uh, Norm Stewart. Right, he's a guy with some personality. Oh yeah, he's a fun guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Known for it. Yeah, and uh, you know, fiery old Norm, Storm and Norman. You know, there's none of that. There's no. none of that. I mean, Although I will say tonight, I think it should be mentioned that there was a yeah, uh, there was a, up. There was a brawl uh, right at the half of the Georgia Missouri game. A couple of coaches, not Kim Anderson specifically, assistant coaches for Missouri. Georgia I did see Kim Anderson in the video. I mean, he'd bark and write in that other coach's face. Honestly, when I saw it, I wondered, is this the straw that breaks the camel back for Kim Anderson? And yeah. Maybe he gets fired. Because, you know, obviously he can't win basketball games, but, you know, maybe losing your composure a little bit at halftime. And not only just him losing his composure, but his team losing yeah. his composure. It's like, and his okay, coaches. Yeah, his staff. His, co- his staff, the players, they've lost their composure. They're not winning games. Maybe, you know, Sterk probably thought, hey, this is a good guy. He's mm-hmm. a Missouri guy, and there's no use in, in stringing him up midseason. You know, let's just let him finish out this year, and we'll just, we'll just swallow that bitter, bitter pill. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something like that tonight – to me, might be something that could push Sterk over the edge. Well, yeah, maybe if he like threw a, threw a punch, you know, if he went swinging. Well, but, but it's not even really Kim Anderson. It's his, like you said, his staff, his yeah, players. L- I mean, those control. are the people he's responsible for, and they're not under control. And it was such a stupid little fight. Like Pipsqueak from our team at the buzzer tries to steal away the rebound from a Georgia player for no reason, mm-hmm. and of course the shoving starts, and then it's all just I don't know downhill from yeah. there. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a prediction, Colin, as to whether n- not the outcome of the season, but whether Anderson will survive to the end of the season, or do you think this is going to be a midseason fire? Well, I honestly, say, I'll, I'll say this: if um, these losses, compounded by, like I said, the the coaching staff and the team losing its composure, doesn't do it, then I think we are in for the long haul. Yeah, I because I don't think Kim Anderson is going to give them another excuse. He'll just you know mill around the sidelines doing nothing for you know never doing anything to really warrant firing other than losing every basketball game he plays. So, Well, I, I, we'd heard a lot of talk that after the Lipscomb loss that he could get the ax then, and I mm-hmm. think if, the fact that he didn't, on top of the fact that Jim Sterk released a statement just prior to the LSU game yeah. that, uh, that he had to announce, the athletic department would like to announce that there's nothing to announce, I think that which was obviously a result of getting bombarded by journalists asking questions about what he was planning to do with Kimmy Anderson as the yeah coach. our good friend Gabe Diarman, um, friend of the show, mm. uh, <laughs> he uh, he like tweeted out every day you know yeah. 
uh, requested 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 status from athletic department regarding Kim Anderson. Yeah, and and so the fact that he, and, I mean, it is always a death knell whenever you have sure. to uh, your boss has to announce that you haven't been fired. That means you are soon to be fired. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think that tells the tale. But I do think it also sort of says that uh, Stark's going to ride him out to the bitter end, and the end will be no doubt bitter. It's it's it is a shame. I mean, you know that. The, it's a shame, but it was built in that way. It was built well, to be a shame. Yeah, I mean, Kim Anderson is a nice guy by all accounts, and uh, he is, like I say, the Missouri guy. You want him to succeed. And before this three-year stint as our basketball coach, beloved, mm-hmm. you know, in Columbia and in Missouri, and uh, not sure how beloved the old guy is now. I will say this. I think after he gets the shit can, more so than like a Frank Haith or a Kim, or Kim Anderson, a Mike Anderson, People are going to look at him like, ah, oh, good old Kim. You gave mm-hmm. it. A, you gave it your best. Yeah. Oh, I think fellow. so. Too. Oh, I. I definitely think. Maybe a lot right. of pats on the back. Like, could yeah. You, like, I think people are going to look at him as a sympathetic figure. I mean, yeah, Frank, for sure. Frank Haith was no good from the get go, and he snuck out of here in the eleventh hour because he could see the writing on the wall. Michael Anderson obviously left like a little shit bag to Arkansas, lied mm-hmm. about it, and everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Quinn Snyder, like you said, was a was a coke field maniac. Um, <laughs> this departure will be different it, yeah. and, and i think a lot of people who want him gone don't dislike him they just want to win yeah and so i you that's know, what i want yeah uh, and uh, he'll land on his feet somewhere it's gonna, probably going to be at a d2 school or an assistant oh, at a d1 well he could be an assistant at a d1 i, I suppose he could be an assistant at a d1 but yeah I mean, he's not going to get he's a d1 never offer. ever going to coach at d1 yeah. ever again yeah but uh but he'll he'll find something out and you know hell the guy made a couple million dollars in his time here mm-hmm. uh, so i I mean, it's not like he's uh, he's had the can out for nickels. So yeah, you know, don't cry too many tears for him. But anyway. he's going to afford all the upgrades and cosmetic surgeries that Doctor Frankenstein can provide him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. make it shiny new bolts. <laughs> yeah, just so, you know, you know, get a couple of extra inches on those boots and those clogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, and asbestos clothing, stay away from fire. <laughs> sure. So. Fire retardant clothing is probably high on his list. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the guy, but don't want him coach here. We'll, we'll find out because, you know, the, the speculation has only begun as to you, who would be next. Because you know, one we of the, won't know until no. the end of the season. And, and I'll tell you what, one of the things that I've noticed about Stirk since he's taken over, that one of the uh, the things that the press was bellyaching about about Rhodes was he was a bunker mentality mm-hmm. uh, AD. And Stirk to this point has been that. I mean, he has not been a super accessible guy. And it was actually one of the things that people kind of talked about, him being a sort of a good time and good outgoing, slap you on the back, as opposed to Rhodes, who was kind of depicted as a stiff. Yeah. So, But Stirk to this point has not been that. He's no, been he's very been... closed door. The, the statement he put out was, uh, was the most public he's been. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, I think let's take a break because we've, you know, this is ostensibly a football podcast and we don't talk about the basketball other than the fact that we really have to talk about it at this yeah, point. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it. So uh, we're going to take our first break and then what we have planned for you as this is sort of our dead period for the Mazodcast is we're going to talk about the college football playoff, which is going to be uh, Monday night. Uh, Clemson versus Alabama, so it's really technically an around the horn with the SEC. Sure. And then uh, a little late, but I think this is good because it won't be so many spoilers. We're going to break down the Star Wars film Rogue One. Yeah, because I think um, all of you Star Wars fans out there demand it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, from your football podcast. When people think Mizzou football podcast, they think 
Star Wars film reviews. <laughs> yes, they do. So we're definitely going to do that. And, of course, we're going to uh, check back in on how the Tigers have been doing on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. because uh, it's pretty interesting and, and things are going to fire up pretty quickly again after the new year. So stay tuned for all that when we come back. This is the Mazodcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Like a hand job with Icy Hot, the Mazat Cast. Well, we're back, everybody, and we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff coming up on Monday. And since there is an SEC school in it, let's go ahead and call it around the horn with the SEC. Jesus loves football. And since the team is Alabama, I think we ought to fire up our good friend. The old Paul Feinbach. I hope he can hold up. Nick Saban, Nick Saban. This will be a real test of his cooling system. Mm -hmm, Absolutely, because all we have to talk about this entire conversation is Alabama. Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. That's That's right, right. Paul. That's right. So, yeah, it is the college football playoff, and uh, we did post an interesting article. I say it's interesting, although Brian wrote it, um, (laughs) about uh, advocating for a six-team playoff and Mm -hmm. what that might look like. I think he did a pretty good job spelling out what – what that would involve and why it would be a superior system. And this year it was of interest, I think, because of the Big Ten, really, because there were really three schools that were sort of vying for a position in the college football playoff. And uh, it ended up going to Ohio State, who then proceeded to play Clemson. And uh, how many points did they score? Zero. That's right. Yeah, it was a good article. Brian yeah. writes decent articles. Mm-hmm. He just better talk. articles. Yeah, better articles for a guy who I assume will end up running a motel with his mother skeleton at some point. <laughs> He's certainly better behind a keyboard than he is a microphone. <laughs> yeah. So, But uh, anyway, it was interesting because uh, there were Penn State, they wanted to be in the playoff. Michigan thought they had a squad, Wisconsin. But, yeah, you know, they had to go with, with Ohio State. They, were, they seemed like the better program. And the Big Ten, everybody, the talk was that the Big Ten was far and away the best conference in the country. Oh, yeah. And Ohio State showed that they sucked. And actually, the entire Big Ten conference mm-hmm. shit the bed in the postseason. And uh, the, int- the the th- weird thing was there were two college football playoff games, that Ohio State-Clemson game, which was terrible, and then the Washington-Alabama game, which uh, it was all so- – Alabama. Yeah, that's right. It was also a, a snoozer of a game. Yeah. And then the weird thing to me was that they had – Bowl games the next day mm-hmm. on January second, and and the Rose Bowl, which just essentially didn't amount to anything, didn't mean anything, was by far the better game. Mm-hmm. Penn State versus USC. That was such a back and forth, high scoring, dramatic game, and it just undermined, in my opinion, the importance of those playoffs. But anyway, here we are, day before, two days before the uh, final championship game, where Alabama is going to have a rematch against Clemson. Well, I, I don't want to stand on my the soapbox for the SEC too much because Lord knows that happens enough. But 
I, I just don't think you can discount the fact that the SEC beats the shit out of itself. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you talk about the Penn States and these people, you know, thinking they have a shot or deserve or whatever, and well, we're the best conference in the college football this year. Like, yeah, I guess, maybe, sure. But, I mean, you just can't discount the fact that teams like LSU have to fucking deal with Alabama. You're right about that. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And 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 it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. You know, these teams in the SEC are all pretty good football teams. You know, aside from most of the East, mm-hmm. and uh, they all have to fucking butt heads, and it uh, it hurts. And I think that's the uh, the product of having depth in your conference. I yeah. mean, you look at a Pac-12 conference where there's usually like some there's always a playoff contender. But it's usually you don't go further than three deep on that conference. Well, it's the nature of football, too. I mean, you look at the NFL. I mean, the Houston Texans, you know, win their division and are in the playoffs. And I can think of three teams at least that are better than the Houston Texans that are not in the playoffs right now. But Mm -hmm. they won their division. And so there's a lot of SEC teams that I think are as good as many of these teams that are more highly ranked. It's just they had to go play an SEC schedule. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, one of the more interesting storylines that's developing for this game, of course, was the uh, happening about a week back as uh, Lane Kiffin getting shit canned, <laughs> yeah, by Nick Saban, who uh, had, you know Kiffin. Nick had, Saban, yes, that's right. Uh, Kiffin had already quit. Yeah, he's going to be the head coach at Florida Atlantic. He coached through the uh, the playoff game against Washington. And then a couple of days later, Nick Saban. Yeah, I think if uh, if there was anybody that was still thought that Nick Saban and uh, Lane Kiffin were um, buddies, mm-hmm. get along real well, uh, that dispelled that pretty quickly. You're right about that. The uh, Kiffin has always been a bit of a mystery to me. I mean, I don't. He keeps getting opportunities. I think is the mystery. I mean, mm-hmm. he pretty well has failed pretty miserably most places he's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some success with Alabama, but when you're talking about Alabama, it's hard to know how much of that is these coordinators and how much of it is kind of like the Patriots. It just seems like no matter who they plug in, it all just seems to roll. Yeah. So it's it, well, Kiffin's, and he's he's known as a like a hard guy to get along with, right. an ass hat who doesn't have a great track record. But and, you know, going to Florida Atlantic is the biggest like backward step he's ever had to take. Oh, I know. He played he coached in the NFL. Uh, you know, he was at USC, Tennessee, uh, did terribly there. It's interesting that, you know, that his replacement will be Steve Sarkeesian, who, who, you know, famously got, infamously got uh, canned at USC for being an alcoholic, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, Alabama sort of like... Uh, Everybody's got to have a hobby. <laughs> Alabama loves USC retreads. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, Giffen was one of those. And it seems like they're sort of a rehab center for uh, USC uh, fuck-ups. I, I have rarely been this disinterested in the college football playoffs ultimately yeah. i mean this year is if, if any year and alabama is always a juggernaut but alabama i just, I just feel like there's who's going to beat alabama i mean i don't feel like i even need to watch this game there's just no chance that clemson beats them in my mind just yeah. no chance yeah i mean i don't know i i think you're right i mean alabama has just absolutely rolled through everybody at this stage people start picking apart little tiny details in your team but i mm-hmm. i tend to agree with you i think alabama's an unbeatable force well unlike the nfl you know where the nfl you could somebody can jump up and beat somebody once in a while you know I, the chiefs whipped the shit out of the patriots a couple of years ago at arrowhead and just out of nowhere yeah and this just a couple of weeks ago the steelers nearly got beat by the browns you know what i mean and the browns are the worst team in the nfl but i don't feel like there's any chance that a team in college is going to jump up and suddenly beat alabama out of nowhere yeah. you know just 
just throw the world in its ear. It just certainly doesn't seem not, to happen at the college level. And certainly not in the championship game. No. Where they're going to put everything out there mm-hmm. to win this win this game. And uh, I mean, it, Alabama this year really is the savior for the SEC because you talked about them being the best conference, but th- this was not their best year. No, no, it's not. And I just I just always want to make the point when I hear other conferences making their own proclamations about they're the best conference in college sports. I, I you know, you know who I feel it, it's, is somewhat underrated as a football conference the last few years. It's the ACC between Florida State uh, having their little run, Jameis Winston, obviously Clemson now mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And Louisville's been good. Yeah, the you top know. of their conference has been really good. Uh-huh. But even, you know, bold contenders uh, from teams that t- traditionally weren't like Duke, mm-hmm. you know, the last few years has had a decent team. And, and you know, there's there's been some... A rising tide raises all boats. Yeah, for, I guess so. And uh, But but they're never really talked about as a football conference, so nope. to speak. No, So, but... Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it could be a very boring championship game. Oh, I fully expect it to be. Yeah, and uh, it'll just be one more feather in Nick Saban's cap, and and you know Nick Saban, you know he he's at this point trying to cement himself as in the legacy talk at the level of like Bear Bryant. And, I, I would say he's trying to surpass Bear Bryant. He's, yeah, he's trying to go down as the best college football coach to ever have lived. And it is impressive at this, you know, at this level, at this time in modern football, it was so difficult to mm-hmm. sustain that kind of success, but he is very unlikable. That's for sure. I mean, <laughs> sure is. I don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> I know Paul, you're best friends with him, but yeah, so that's going to happen, I guess. Well, you know, we think that Clemson's going to get their shit packed by Alabama. And I think most of the world thinks that. And Nick Saban would probably never say that out loud. No coach would. But I think the very fact that he feels confident enough to fire his offensive coordinator a week before the championship game says that he himself probably has quite a bit of confidence that uh, Alabama has this game in hand. Yeah, the irony of that is that he said he he fired him because he was a distraction. And Mm -hmm. I can't think of a bigger distraction than making a news piece (laughs) about... Than firing your offensive coordinator that no week of. Is that not a distraction? Yeah, and replacing him with a fucking fucking lush. A loser. Yeah. Sarkeesian, Sark after dark. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love that guy. Yeah, how about that? Speaking of coaches I want to have a beer with, (laughs) or eight, or nine, or 13, who knows? Yeah, good luck getting to your can. Take it from you. (laughs) But... You know, talking about uh, taking a new job and your first day on the job will be your national championship yeah, game, basically. Sure. So um, I wonder if Sarkeesian will get the, the Lane Kiffin treatment, who when immediately took the Alabama job and was suddenly an all-world offensive coordinator. This diamond in the rough, you know, Saban's done it again. Right. He's found this coach who's just just a genius and it's yeah. like all that genius talk is gone now because he's been shit canned before the season's even over yeah you uh, go you go th- three deep on five-star recruits you make people look like great coordinators yeah yeah i i wonder what josh henson would do <laughs> the football is brown yeah that's the guy yeah well uh, do you have anything else to add about this game i mean good no. christ yeah, for, by all accounts, Alabama's going to be right there again next year. I mean, they're you know strong recruiting, so they're looking to win another title. And uh, the only way that this train jumps the track is you know, I've I've heard it several times. I heard it last year that uh, the Colts ownership or you know is close to Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and Nick Saban made some statement down the line after his time at the NFL that he would never take another NFL coaching job without a quarterback. Yeah. And the Colts have a guy named Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. and uh, 
once again, uh, the Colts coach and uh, GM is very much on the hot seat. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe they, they brought him back last year. It's like these guys all hate one another. So you know what we ought to do? Let's all let's get the band back together. I'm sure it'll work out. <laughs> well, you know, there are a few NFL teams that the ownership is just known to be completely fucking in disarray and terrible. And I think the Colts are one of those teams. Yeah, the, uh, their owner, if you guys didn't know, is uh, was like pulled over like a couple years ago with a fucking bag full of like painkillers. And, and uh, he's also... Uh, one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen is like him. And this guy's like a 68 year old man in like a Ed Hardy jeans or true religion jeans and like a shirt off and taking a selfie in a mirror. Like he's a fucking 17 year old douchebag. <laughs> he's just the douchiest douche that ever douched. Yeah. And uh, he's TJMO style. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's their owner. <laughs> so who knows? That guy's a wild card. Yeah. Steve Carcedian may get a new NFL job. I don't know. If I'm Nick Saban and just the king of Alabama, the king of college football, I don't see the, I don't see the upside of going back to the NFL. Neither one of us are successful people, Brennan. And that's true. Um, that's true. Don't have any real drive or ambition. But you know, the one thing you always hear about these guys is like they're looking for a new challenge. And I always thought yeah, that's absolute garbage horse shit coach speak mm-hmm. but maybe he is i mean maybe you win 19 national championships and you decide i'm gonna go try something different but yeah you think you get the best job ever i mean yeah. you are the you know you are an untouchable king of college football i mean he owns that campus he owns that town he owns that state he owns this conference you know where's the motivation to go but Maybe, like I said, he's looking for that new challenge. You remember when, before Texas hired Charlie Strong, and there was a lot of speculation on who Texas would hire and how much money they were going to throw at him, mm-hmm. and then there were these rumors that came out that Saban's wife didn't like it in, in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. and like the idea of going to Austin yeah, and, sure. and all that jazz. And well, of course, that came to absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's always speculation. So that's the college f- football Around the horn, SEC. There you go. <laughs> Come to a screeching halt. Did you Did you uh, enjoy that, fans? It's a uh, woo. Yeah. <clears throat> when does Mizzou play Alabama? Does Again, it, oh, I don't know. I mean, don't don't ask me questions <laughs> that I'm not prepared to answer right off the cuff. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, it can't be any worse than fucking what LSU did to us. I mean, that was a goddamn. Brutal, I even like thinking about it. But uh, yeah, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's take a break. Come back and get on to really more important college football news and talk about Star Wars. This is the Mazadcast. Hi, I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high quality razors right to your door. Yeah. A dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com and the party is on. The biggest disaster in Columbia since the fifth down game. The Mazad cast. Welcome back, everybody, and it's time to talk about, uh, I think, one of our favorite topics. This is kind of an annual tradition now the last couple of years, but there's a new Star Wars movie, Colin. (laughs) 
Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I wasn't aware. Yeah. And for everybody listening who has not seen the film and wants to see the film and does not want to deal with spoilers, I suggest you fast forward to... Minute 53. And that way, uh, we won't ruin everything for you. But for God's sakes, the movie's been out for a month now, so uh, if you really wanted to see it, you'd see the fucking movie. Colin, Rogue One. What are your thoughts? It's a good movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. Made my Star Wars boner big. Yeah. Big and hard. <laughs> I think a question I have for you is that last year was the first of the new releases, the uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens film. Sure. And it was a big, exciting thing. Mm-hmm. It was a continuation of the uh, Star Wars saga. And this was one of the first of, I guess, well, it's going to be a series of sort of one-off stories Every other year, the saga will continue, but this is the first of those, those one-off stories. My thought, my, or my question is, is, was this movie as good, better, or worse than The Force Awakens in your mind? Well, it might be just because I just saw this movie, but I like this movie even more. Yeah? And I liked both movies, but I, I like the kind of the gritty, everybody dies. I like the fact there's no sappy parts. It's a it's my always my argument, like, why are you watching network television while HBO exists? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there are really good shows on, so you can watch, you know, CSI Albuquerque, or you could watch something good, Yeah, you know? And uh, that's kind of, and, and in no way saying that The Force Awakens wasn't good, but there's a, something that's to be said for something that's a little darker, mm-hmm. uh, a little more, I don't want to say realistic. Because it's... Um, <laughs> couldn't it's, be further from... Yeah, it couldn't be farther from realistic. But just, people don't always survive the hero doesn't always win that sort of thing to go full geek on you that in, in addition to being a star wars nerd and a sports nerd i'm also a comic books nerd Ugh. and if you ever watched the garbage garbage shows that are like on the cw I don't. flash and no. the, i don't watch them either because in a world full of people who can run super fast and fly and pick up tr- and trains and like throw them. The most unbelievable part of those shows is that nobody says curse words and nobody fucks. <laughs> you know, which is why I love about HBO. Yeah. It's like people fuck in All HBO shows, and they say also say curse words because those both of those things happen in real life. So were you saying there was a lot of fucking in this new Star Wars movie? <laughs> well, you know, well I like the gritty, darker tone as I find it, like I said, more realistic in a way. There was, as always in Star Wars, a total absence of of hardcore fucking. Yeah. And uh, the uh, lead character, Jin Erso, played by somebody whose name I can't remember now. Um, I would have liked to seen her get, you know, good hardcore Chewbacca fucking. Yeah, like we, we had really pined for the Chewbacca Princess Leia love scene in mm-hmm. the uh, last yeah. year when The Force Awakened. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think the, the movie last year... It was really a throwback to for Star Wars mm-hmm. fans. It was red meat for Star Wars fans. It was very similar to the first Star Wars movie sure. ever made, and you know the whole the whole plot was reminiscent. And I think this because it was a one off story, the plot could go in a bunch of different directions yeah. that uh, the tr- traditional Star Wars movies didn't go. You had a bunch of new characters that you hadn't seen before and were never going to see again because, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, they all fucking died. Yep, um, sure did. But at the same time. It tipped the cap to all the Star Wars fans and had a lot of uh, cameos from famous characters. So it was a good combination of, of familiarity, but new stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a good story. I mean, it was a, it was a war movie, essentially. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it was gritty. And, and uh, you know, it was a little slow because they had to introduce these characters mm-hmm. and sort of... Yeah, there's kind of a drag in the middle there. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, goddamn, you know, the, just between my nostalgia for all the old Star Wars stuff combined with the new special effects and the gritty look that the J.J. Abrams era hearkened in, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the, the glossy, weird Phantom Menace graphics that uh, that George Lucas introduced in the 90s, uh, this is so much better. Well, Brendan, let's ask an important question. For I mean, I'll pose this to you. Jen Erso, mm-hmm. the main character from Rogue One, versus Ray. Uh, the main character from Force Awakens, who's higher on the tugability scale to you? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're both very tuggable. You know, <laughs> I uh, I think it's fair. You know, I don't want to disparage anybody's honor. No, you could uh, tug to either one. Yeah, and uh, and half. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're 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 tuggable in different ways. Sure, elaborate. Well, Ray. I mean, she 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 had a real. She looked like Kira Knightley, kind of. Mm, yeah, she was very sure beautiful, yeah. like long neck, thin, kind of classically beautiful. Sure. Ray looked more like a, a fuck monster <laughs> to <laughs> a me. A hot fuck monster. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't like just a vivacious Kate Upton type, but she was, you know, just pouty lips. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I'd make a, a request to put more uh, Sofia Vergara yeah. in Star Wars movies, maybe. Sure. Sure. You know, especially if you're going to, you know, break away from what's been the, the theme of of all Star Wars movies and get to that hardcore fuck scene. Right. Middle. You know, give me a rated R, maybe an NC-17 for one of these Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do that, you know, go ahead and throw in Sofia Vergara. I'm waiting for an Ewok orgy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think we all are. Yeah, sure. Uh, that did not happen in this. I'm time. not going to say it didn't happen in, in Empire Strikes Back. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a, there was kind of a time gap. Leia, you know, goes to the Ewok camp. She comes out of the hut She's wearing Ewok clothes, and they've obviously braided her hair. Who knows what happened in those hours up into the point where the rest of the gang catches up to him at the Ewok camp. You know, there may have been an Ewok Princess Leia orgy that we're just not privy to. Not being the real Star Wars nerd that you are, I have heard it suggested that the reason the Ewoks lived in trees is so that the jizz could fall out of the village and just onto the ground, and then just their their cabins and the ground wouldn't be just covered in sloppy jizz. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, Sure. Because of all the words, I've read that it's not canon. Yeah, but it's uh, but <laughs> it's, yeah, sure, it's been suggested. Sure, sure, uh, but yeah, I mean, the the film was was just good. I mean, the the story was clearly about the uh, the rebels who stole the plans for the Death Star and allowed the the main Star Wars Episode One to take place. Sure. And uh, they did a great job putting the story together. One has to think that this was created of whole cloth. It wasn't part of George Lucas's master plan. No, no it was not. Because it wasn't awful. You know, at least <laughs> right. like the prequels. But a couple of things we need to mention before we wrap it up is the Governor Tarkin, who is uh, a character who... Tarkin. Tarkin. There you go. Can't even... I'm a huge nerd. Yeah. Can't, Incorrect. Can't, can't say the name right. Yeah. Made his triumphant return to this movie, having been dead for 20 plus years. Yeah. And, Which is and, good acting on his yeah, part. Yeah, <laughs> terrific. No, but some really crazy CGI. And I've seen some people online like be like, oh, it was terrible, fucking Polar Express Tom Hanks-esque shit. But it wasn't. It was good. I mean, uh, if I had taken my wife to this movie, if she would have agreed to go. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously never happened. She would have known. She would not have known. Yeah. Then Princess Leia makes an appearance at the end. And again, it was like, wow, it's uh, come a long way. And uh, in special effects since the Odyssey, mm-hmm. you know, that we all had to watch in high school. You remember the stop motion skeletons? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's come a long way. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I think that if you if if you went into that movie knowing that they were going to be CGI'd in and you really looked for it, you could, I mean, you could make it yeah, out. Sure, it was, uh, it was the, like human face is just the most difficult thing for mm-hmm. animators to put together and make it look realistic. But I don't. It did not take me out of it at all, as some people have suggested no. it had for them. No, and and it really, it was kind of. I mean, unless you completely cast another character, which they had done for other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the, some of those people needed to be in the film. I mean, yeah. these, this, this yeah. was set at the time of the original Star Wars movie, so it made sense that those characters were in place, and be- so because I, I, it, it was fine for me. Because it's a one-off, uh, this more so than any other Star Wars movie that I've ever seen is something that you could go to if you've never seen a Star Wars and probably enjoy it. Uh, so you know, go out there and see it if you haven't, and even if you don't give a shit about Star Wars or... It's just a good movie, like you said, kind of a war movie. So you can you can go do that, and you're not going to notice these characters that have been long since dead. Um, you know, Governor Tarkin or Tarkin or whatever the fuck his name is, been dead for 20 years. Carrie Fisher, not so long. Yeah, not, not still not dead. Long, yes. still dead. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I uh, I give it uh, two thumbs up. Yeah. Well, I, you know, one thing I liked about it was that in these Star Wars movies, some more than others, I always like the these sort of World War Two esque. Uh, X-wing fighting scenes, you know, mm-hmm. with the Tie Fighters. And this was a good mix of you know on the ground fighting stuff with the space fights, which is why you know the seven-year-old in me wants to see so badly. And what I really missed out on those prequels from George Lucas, I felt like there really wasn't much. No, uh, yeah. space fighting. I don't remember like scenes that grabbed you and went, "Holy cannoli, that's crazy!" You know, mm-hmm. and like in this movie, at the very end, there's a Darth Vader scene. And Darth Vader's not in this movie very much, but at the very end, he does some. some he goes full on Darth fucking Vader on some people. Mm-hmm. That's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I give it two thumbs up too. I uh, I also like that they didn't try to shoehorn you know droids in, familiar droids in too mm-hmm. badly. We didn't have a little brief cameo from R two and C three PO, but they yeah. were they were brief. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- fine, totally yep. fine. Yep. So all in all, I think if, you, like Colin said, if you haven't seen it, go out and fucking see this movie because it's certainly going to be better than any of the Oscar turds that uh, mm-hmm. they're forcing down our throat right now. Yeah. Uh, um, what is it, Manchester by the Sea or sure. whatever that is? Casey Affleck. Yeah. I mean, it's that sounds like it's just a depressing fucking nightmare. <laughs> um, I don't want any part of it. And uh, I'm going to see Star Wars again. So there is your review mm-hmm. of Star Wars on your Mizzou football podcast. <laughs> so I think maybe if that's not your, uh, not what you're into, then uh, we're going to circle back and talk a little bit about Mizzou's football recruiting because it is the beginning of the new year, and uh, the Tigers have been pretty busy on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I depending on what site you use, and they're all terrible, um, but you know, like the rivals or what have you, they rank recruiting classes. And I think I saw something like this is the highest rated recruiting class the Tigers have had in like six or eight years, you know, yeah. in, it, the, it's in the Pinkle era. So, I mean, that's that's uh, you know, good sign. Yeah, the rank has fallen down a little bit as uh, as players have started to commit places and things. But I think the last I saw, we were, I think we were ranked 37th in the country. Uh, Ole Miss was right behind us, like at 38. Weird thing about that is even though we're number 37 in the country, we're still ranked number 12 out of 14 in the SEC. Yeah, that's crazy. Our recruiting class is one of the worst in the SEC. Uh, that doesn't bother me too much because I, I, th- I just don't put a lot of stock no, in these recruiting part numbers. Part of the problem with the, the whole – recruiting system that these places use is that the stars start getting assigned partially by who recruits them. Yeah. So a guy can be a two-star recruit right up into the fact where 
Alabama starts to show interest. And all of a sudden, somebody puts, they just immediately assign him another star. And so it's like, it's really not based on play. It's just based on who's interested. And so you can imagine that most of these guys who are being recruited by SEC programs are immediately getting stars assigned to them. And therefore, it makes Missouri's players and recruiting class start to tumble down a little bit just by virtue of the fact that they're in the SEC. I mean, I don't know that Mizzou can have a recruiting class that's going to be very high in the SEC because some of these storied programs, the minute they start recruiting, they're immediately going to be given yeah, another, a higher ranking. Well, and I think we're up to 21 recruits now, if you count a JUCO transfer. Uh, just today, there was the announcement of a guy named uh, Jordan Ulmer, who's a safety out of uh, Bellevue, Michigan, announced he would be coming to... That's, the pretty, hot. That's pretty far north for a yeah. SEC school. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, I think one of the things that uh, depresses our ranking a little bit is I think we don't we're all three stars, like the across the yeah, board, three yeah. star, three star, three I'll star. I'll take it. Yeah, you know, we, we, there's no Beckner Jr. this no, year. No, no. Um, and Beckner Jr. was an outlier. He was an East St. Louis guy who, mm-hmm. you know, came to his home state school. Yeah. You know, Terry Beckner Jr. Uh, played in Georgia instead of St. Louis. We wouldn't even been on his radar, right? No, let alone got him. Yeah, and then it's good to get those guys. Though, I mean, we, no, it's a huge part of your recruiting class. You you lock up the local talent. You know. The, mm-hmm. You get guys you're not supposed to get because of your proximity. Interestingly, uh, Ulmer is the fourth uh, defensive back that the uh, mm-hmm. Tigers recruited this offseason. They're clearly beefing up their defense as is needed. Yeah, They've done yeah, a lot yeah. to work on the defensive line as well. I mean, it, we know that Missouri's pretty stocked and loaded with what it will be upperclassmen now in the offensive side, but the defense needs a lot of help. We mm-hmm. lost a lot of players yeah, it's it's funny. And the players I, we had weren't that great on defense, frankly. You, know, you go back to the midseason when our offense was struggling as mightily as the the defense was, but you know we ended the season strong. And you you start thinking about um, you're going to get Jamon Moore back. You're going to have Mason. You're you're going to have Jonathan Johnson back. And you're going to get was it Nate Brown? You know he was out all season with a injury. He's going to be back. So you got some receivers you 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 like. You you know you got Kendall Blanton at, uh, tied in. You know, Drew Locke is Drew Locke. You obviously have Demario Crockett, who is everybody's All-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some things to be, you know, pretty excited about, I feel like, from the Mizzou offensive standpoint. So the defense, though, that's – that's I can't imagine they're going to try to shoehorn another new scheme in on us on defense. So that's partially why I'm so optimistic is you saw guys like uh, Charles Harris, obviously, who is going to be leaving. But you saw Marcel Fraser. You saw Nate Howard. You saw some of these guys start to – become the players we thought they were or right. had seen them be. And so barring them letting fucking Cross do another, take a huge steamy dump on our defense again, you think the defense is probably going to at least start off the season better than they started this season. Couldn't start worse. No, sir. Another guy that uh, the Tigers have on their radar, because Odom has mentioned that he wants to fill out an entire full 25-man recruiting class this year, and he's up to 21. But there's a guy named uh, Emmanuel Dabney, who's a Mississippi kid who has named Ole Miss and Mizzou in his final two. Uh, He's another cornerback, so another you know secondary-type player. I can't believe anybody is um, considering Ole Miss at this point, if yeah. you're a highly rated recruit. And I mean, and not because Ole Miss isn't a nice program and not an SEC school, but because they're about to be crushed under the weight of, I would assume, NCAA sanctions based yeah. on the dirty shitbag that is their coach, uh, Freeze, who is, you know, was paying players and was caught doing so. And I mm-hmm. mean, I can't imagine the NCAA is at some point just going to, 
you know, just destroy their program for a couple of years yeah, as a result. Everybody expects that to happen. I think that is the case because their recruiting isn't looking very good this year and they're, you know, they're struggling to get players. And I think that those young guys look down the road and see that the program's going to get hit hard. Why would you want to come into the middle of that shit storm? It says to me when you got this kid, considering Mizzou and Old Miss, like he wants to stay in Mississippi, but Old Miss is probably going to be, you know, in a lot of trouble. But he, and he also likes Mizzou. So he wants to stay in Mississippi, but Mississippi is not really giving him much of an option uh, based on circumstance. And so hopefully Mizzou will pull this out. And if they do, it's a good, it's a good get because I don't think he's a, I think he's a four star, at least according to some of the, uh, some of the, the, the ranking system. So, you yeah. know, that would be a pretty high recruit, especially to get somebody out of Mississippi, get some of those yeah. deep South States. That's a good it thing. looks like you're taking somebody out of Ole Miss's backyard. Yeah. That helps the look of the uh, recruiting class too. And we get the other interesting thing is we only have one kid uh, from uh, Missouri. I think this year we do have a, one kid from East St. Louis. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Riondas Estes. But all, other than that, these guys are come far and wide from across the country. The yeah. word is, though, that Missouri this year was particularly thin in talent. At least mm-hmm. that's the, what they're – maybe that's what they're telling us because they haven't drawn anybody from Missouri. Well, but you can know that. If they're not going other places, too. Yeah, it's not true like enough, Alabama's true taking anybody out of our backyard either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you, know, you got to take, take them where the players are. You, yep, know, you can't just right. say, I'm going to take Missouri guys because we're the Missouri school if the talent's not there. So uh, we, we shall see. I mean, the, the most important thing, you know, you compare this to the NFL draft where, you know, you, you know who you're getting and you're going up against only 32 schools. Uh, this, is, this is focused on defense, clearly. Yeah, yeah and but the, the defensive backs coach uh, for Missouri just got plucked by Al, Auburn, too. That yeah, was kind of right. out of nowhere. But uh, based yeah. on how our defense played this year, I'm not sure that I'm going to cry a lot of tears for anybody on our defensive staff disappearing. Yeah, no, the, uh, Greg Brown, who uh, was our secondary coach. Who uh, I didn't know was alive yeah. until it broke that he was going somewhere else. Yeah, well, I mean, he they, they said he, this is his seventh school since 2010, so he is a classic job yeah, hopper. Yeah, he's a gun for hire. Yeah, and he, he was with us for one year, the best guy he coached was Arion Penton probably, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I don't chalk his success up to this one no coach. No. This is not a guy's name we heard a lot during the season. You know, one thing we talked about at the end of the end of our season was does uh DeMonte Cross have a job with Mizzou? And it looks like he's going to. Uh Barry Odenberry early on said he wasn't going to shit can anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but would not stop other coaches from uh, you know pursuing opportunities. And obviously based on what DeMonte did this year, nobody gave him an opportunity of any sort. Um, you know unless it was to be a janitor, yeah. um, which is probably what he's qualified to do after seeing what he does to the defenses. But, um, yeah, so it looks like we've got another year of DeMonte at least, um, but you have to think that Odom is probably not going to hand the reins back over to him anytime soon. No, I, I mean, all indications are DeMonte Cross will be uh, playing second fiddle to Odom when it comes mm-hmm. to calling plays, uh, but they are going to have a new secondary yeah. coach, and who will find out probably not too long who that will be. So, but you know, as, as far as coaching uh, guys getting hired away, that's not you know your secondary coach. I think you can yeah you can live with that kind of especially tournament. a guy that's been here for one year. It's not exactly like he was Coach Kukulowski who had built some sort of uh, or Kuligowski, whatever. Incorrect. <laughs> so that that hurts. He was here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, did some great things with our defensive line. You know, you, this guy was here for one year, and now he's leaving. You mm-hmm. know, boo fucking who. The the sad thing about Greg Brown being gone is it is a name that I don't think you can fuck up. No. Well, Brennan, yeah. give me some credit. <laughs> if anybody can fuck up a name like Greg Brown, it's yeah, me. That's yeah, true enough. 
Anyway, I think, Colin, before we go, uh, we talked about possibly naming a douche of the week. Uh, although, you know, it's the season's over. We can't really name player of the of the week, but we can always announce a douche. Sure. And did you have somebody in mind? I did. I did, actually. I think uh, my uh, candidate is a, is a fellow you might know by the name of uh, Bob Stoops. Oh, Bob Stoops. I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah. Well, this isn't brand new news, but... Uh, Stoops has a real history of looking past uh, criminals <laughs> yeah, and sure. uh, uh, woman beaters. And, mm-hmm. of course, he's got a player by the name of Mixon on let's his... Not, uh, let's not pigeonhole him. He'll overlook any criminal activity, women beaters included. Yeah, that's, that's right. And it was, it was shown that there was a terrible, terrible video of Mixon <laughs> just cold cocking a lady. And it was proven that Stoops knew about it for a long time. Yep. and He'd seen the video. Yeah. They had given him a suspension, but uh, but he welcomed him back with open arms, sure. as Stoops is known to do. And, uh, and so, once again, Oklahoma is strengthening their resume as just the worst, nastiest, most criminal shitbag program ever. Ever and Bob Stoops is well. Here's an example of what I mean. Maybe you think, well, this is this is what all college football teams do. It is not. Mm. It is not. Like for instance, if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, as I am, you might know of a little player named Tyreek Hill who has taken the NFL by storm, who was uh, dismissed from Oklahoma State for choking his pregnant girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And so you'll uh, the word I used earlier in this sentence was dismissed Mm -hmm. when he was proven to have choked his pregnant girlfriend. That program immediately dismissed him because that's awful. Yeah, that's just sure terrible. So Mixon, Cole Cox, I mean fucking Cole Cox, breaks her orbital socket. Mm-hmm. This chick, you know, unlike Tyreek Hill's circumstance, it was on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Stoops sees said, said video and does not dismiss him, but suspends him and then welcomes him back with open arms. It reminds me of Doriel Green Beckham, who had pushed his girlfriend and had obviously had some marijuana stuff going on too, and Pinkle dismissed him. Yeah. NFL talent caliber player. But in, by the way, where did... Doriel Green Beckham find a home after Mizzou dismissed him. I believe he enrolled at the University of Oklahoma. Weird. Yeah, he tr- uh, Stoops tried to get him on staff at the NCAA. Said, "No, uh, that he's a monster, and you're a monster, and we're not going to let that happen." <laughs> um, but uh, he tried. Well, you know, I just kept thinking when Jameis Winston was still playing, raping it up good and proper down there in Florida, mm-hmm. that uh, you know maybe Jimbo Fisher might dismiss him, and I could just see you know. Uh, Stoops. Stoops are tapping his fingers together like Mr. Burns just waiting for that dismissal. Come on over to yeah. oh, OU, Jameis. Yeah. We got room for a a raping, crab-stealing son of a bitch. <laughs> it's always a good place to land. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So, uh, Bob Stoops, you are dude of the week. Terrific. Yeah. I think another thing we should mention, Colin, before we go is that uh, every year we uh, celebrate all that is the Mazad cast during award season. Sure. There's the Oscars, there's the Golden Globes, and then, of course, there's a little thing known as the Miz Oscars. Mm-hmm. The fans don't want it, and we bring it to you. Yep. It's the best of. Yeah. It's, awards given. It is the summary of all things great about the Mazad cast. And if you're new to the show, I think you're really going to like it. It'll be coming up within the next month. Uh, we're not obviously bringing to you a lot of shows right now, but the Mazaskers will be something you won't want to miss. Yeah, and uh, just a little motivation to listen for you know our diehard fans that listen, even when there's no football going on, to shows like this where we talk about Star Wars. Um, we'll have... Uh, categories such as caller of the year. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you know, t- maybe tweet of the year or tweet of the, I don't know. Yeah. But there'll be, you might get a little love. Yeah. Fans. That's right. You might, you might win yourself an award. And Brennan has 
told me that there's a bit of a rumor going around that we may send you a trophy. That's right. We have had crafted by artisans in Italy uh, these fine trophies, these Ms. Oscars trophies, which uh, it, you know look good on any mantle, sure. I would think. And so if you're the caller of the year or guest of the year, uh, you could get yourself one. So mm-hmm. uh, look forward to that. Yeah. And Colin, before we go, too, uh, did you have a Tweet of the Week this, this, this week, um, even though there's no football going on? So, yeah, the Tweet of the Week, it struck me, uh, is during the LSU, early on in the LSU game, where they're being mildly competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Hankins at Big Papa Hank uh, wrote, If Kim Anderson can keep his job, this group of players may put Mizzou basketball back on the map. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So I saw Against that. Against the grain right yeah, there. I saw that, and I thought, boy, that is some optimism right there. Yes, yeah. it is. Now, some people cannot be turned away no. from their optimistic view, so you got to There was a couple that. others. I, I searched uh, for basketball tweets before we started the show. There was, you know, the, the obvious, you know, fire Kim Anderson everywhere. Uh, there, and there were, but there were still a couple, you know, that were holding on. I, may, I saw one uh, that was basically a guy saying, based on the circumstances with the other coach leaving and blah, 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 that this is really only Kim Anderson's second full year in a lot of ways and that uh it takes at least four years Mm. for a program to really get back on track so everybody needs to cool their jets yeah well and and if it takes four years and this is really his only his second so we got only two more years of this guy's yeah and i think when you know in that fourth year which is really his fifth year which is really his fourth i mean you have to think about it as really his first year that he sure. has all four years of his own recruits. Yeah. So then you start to clock over. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. have to give a guy at least a, 10 years before decade. you can decade, know if they're a good coach or sure, not. Sure. Yeah, sure. That makes just all kinds Perfect of sense. Perfect sense. Perfect sense. With that, I guess we're going to sign off and uh, enjoy a lot more Mizzou basketball yeah. this spring and hope for warm weather and a new basketball coach soon. So. Anyway, Colin, it's been great doing this once again. I can't wait for football season to start. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. I'm waiting for an Ewok orgy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. 
Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.